Hello, everyone. It is April 10th, and you are listening to the Knoxville Game Design Chat Podcast. This month's game, we're going to be discussing Dark Mouse, um, D-A-R-K-M-A-U-S, which is available on Steam. If you have not played the game, spoiler warnings for the discussion, so you can stop this here and play the game if you want. And if you don't mind spoilers, you can keep listening. If you want to play along with us next episode, our game is going to be Axum Verge, um, an XNA uh, game that was quite popular. So you may have already played that one or not, but um, that will be our uh, May episode. Just real quick, uh, who we are. We are the uh, Knoxville Game Design Meetup Group, and we meet the second Sunday of every month at the Technology Cooperative uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you are interested in game design in the area, you are more than welcome to come out and, and join us. Uh, you can find out a lot more about the group at knoxgamedesign.org. Uh, check us out there. You can also find us on meetup.com if that's your preferred method. Uh, if you go to the website, be sure to click on the newsletter so you get reminders of subscriptions. Coming up this week for the group, we have London Dare. We will be meeting at the Technology Cooperative on Friday night at 7 p.m. for a kickoff. Uh, the space doesn't stay open throughout the entire Dare, but we do get together and kick it off together. And then we'll have our May 8th will be our next regular meeting. And then May 15th, we'll have a little bit of a special day. Um, as part of Open Streets Knoxville, where you can come by and talk to us during that event as well. I think that about covers for the front-loading. Yeah, so basically for the Let Them Dare kickoff, we just get together, wait around, and we wait until the countdown hits zero. Then we get the theme announcement. Then we all leave and go home and work on our games. Yeah, so um, we got new mics here. Um, Hopefully this is coming out and the audio is great. When you guys see me do the fist, I'm not fist-pumping uh, you, Levi, I wasn't like a good, yeah, pump, go, run, go. No, I was reminding you to be about a fist length away from okay. the mic, um, is, is what that was for. So, uh, if you see me doing that, that's, that's why I'm doing Probably it. Probably staring at the levels going, oh crap, this yeah. is just, no, I, I, no, do better, guys. I don't want to have to do what I used to do on the other episodes to edit <laughs> for bad quality. Like, at the end, I was not satisfied with the quality. Um, real quick, before we get into Dark Mouse, uh, Levi lately playing or developing like which what's been your last month oh well i've been developing a moba style game so i went back and played some of the source material like league of legends just to get familiar with that style of game again and also played a little bit of the final fantasy 15 demo and it was okay it really didn't feel like a final fantasy game but that is out on playstation 4 right now if anybody wants to try that out is that like a free for plus uh, I don't think you have to be in Plus to download Just it. I to think, download it? I think okay. anybody can download the demo. Cool. Cool. I might check that out. Yeah, and it's more like a hack and slash type game. It still has like RPG aspects. When you hit somebody, numbers pop out of their head, but it isn't the traditional turnstile RPG. This is the Final Fantasy that they've been previewing at the big E3 events, right? Like yeah. This is the next official Final Fantasy main story I, I think game. it started out as Final Fantasy versus 13. They redid it as Final Fantasy 15. So. All right. How about you, Dylan? Um... Mostly been playing uh, Rogue Legacy and Valda's Story, so lots of Metroidvania. Um, haven't really done a whole lot of development since we did the last podcast. Okay. Uh, myself, I checked out uh, The Static Speaks My Name, which was something Extra Credits had recommended to check out. It took an hour-long free game on Steam. Um, yeah, mature topic. 
but um, I think it's a Unity game. It felt like a Unity game. And it, it actually is kind of cool to go look at, not because maybe it's a great, amazing story or game, but it has some interesting ways of telling story in about an hour. And it was something like, we got a game jam coming up. It's had me thinking of like, hmm, I could might be able to do something in that vein. Um, I've been sinking a lot of hours into various Souls games, getting hyped for Dark Souls 3, which is, as I speak, preloaded on my um, computer. I'll be the last person in the world, apparently, to get to play this game. Apparently, all the streamers have it. It's leaked online. You can just buy it on Xbox by changing your region to Japan. But I waited like I was supposed to, and I will play it tomorrow. Um, but that also kind of sets up what we're getting into with our game this month, Dark Mouse, which I guess I'll just take a bit of the lead here. So in the past when we've done these, right, I've handed it off to whoever the game choice was to lead off. And this was very much my choice. Um, but I'm gonna give you guys the option if you want to veto that and you're just like, no, I want to get in ahead of you. I probably don't have much to say. I wouldn't mind going first and then kind of letting you go because I will probably lose steam, you know, before before that happens. I don't know how you feel, Levi. Uh, I played it for about four and a half hours or so. So I have, I don't know, a little bit more, but probably not as much as Mike has to say about this game. If you want to go ahead. Um, I'll be honest. I don't think I put as much time as I should have i got i started it late comparatively speaking um it was one of those things that i've played a little bit of dark souls it is not my thing it is not only is it very frustrating but just the whole timing thing i I just i don't oh sorry i don't have that uh that level of patience um I know. I think one of the things we talked about was I was pumping points into dexterity, thinking, "Oh, it'll kind of solve that timing problem." Uh, you were streaming and, and you put it on, or I enforced. I kind of suggested that you put it on. Yes. I actually wanted to observe you and John and the guy you were streaming with reactions to it to sort of yeah. confirm some of the things I had assumed on it. And uh, dexterity um, doesn't work like it's described to you in the game. Uh, There was a wiki here that um, basically the dexterity uh, effect is hard to notice. It modifies how quickly your weapon swings during the time it can cause damage, but does not affect the amount of time you are open between attacks even during combos. Okay, that's what I was wanting. When you start swinging your sword, the first few frames don't, cause damage the last bit of the swing doesn't cause damage so it's really the middle of the swing is getting faster but it's worded in a way that thinks like my combat feels sluggish and slow i need to pump dexterity so i can attack quicker and it doesn't do that especially before you get um skill point or like the weapons that need skill points i probably like i played it first then john and i played it on the stream Honestly, if I'd known that, I probably would have had a better experience, but I got to the bulls that charge you and you have to dodge attack and there's there's very specific timing and the the fact that you have that lag time made a huge difference. Um, and I was just kind of like, I don't know that I can do this. See, I was just wondering if you were supposed to avoid the bulls entirely 
But I'm no, ner- you can kill them. Oh, okay. And oh. I noticed I, I did kill one or two of them, but I think I had to get like the special item that spawned the two like shadow mice, and then they could like tank the bull for that me. Kind of like a lot of sense. Yeah, kind of like my tactics in Crashlands, where I was like, okay, I'll let my little pets go in there and like deal with them, then I'll like ping them from the outside. Yeah. Overall, though, I think as the thing I took away from this as a designer or as a developer is the art style is really interesting. And it's really interesting because they're using two colors. I started noticing this when you started getting into some of the different areas. You know, they've got some really nice shaders going on and stuff like that. But in a lot of cases, it's just a solid, a couple of solid blocks that might be translucent over each other. And then you have like a wind effect. You can actually do a lot without, you know, like fine detailed graphics if you think about the animation. It's a, it's a good example of that sort of minimalist thinking. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the limbo theme that's been popular in yeah. the games yes, these days. Yes. Where it's just two colors that. and different, just like grayscale. But this was more orangish grayscale. Yeah, it, it does. And then um, it really sets off if you start using fire uh, and the pyromancy yeah. path. It it really stands out on this sort of black and orange kind of, of muted orange, you know, I, I did notice they, in when, whenever they threw in a color, like they threw in a muted blue when you were by the sea, they threw in the red for some of the, the monsters. It was definitely like a way to create contrast. But, you know, like I said, it's two color. It's a lot of solid things. Like you could do, you had good art. This is not not a a ding on its art, but it's like you go in with programmer art, and if you think about the animation, you think about the composition, do a lot more than than you would think you could do. I was and, really impressed with the particle effects that they did with the fire. The, there. the swirls too. Yeah. yeah, you almost didn't notice them until you'd been in for a little bit to notice like the swirls were reacting to your character um, in, in there as well. And I think the lighting played really well of, of giving you the, the practical yeah. design of, I want it to feel like you're peeking into a room. You can't see everything because you're top down 2d. So you're used to being able to see everything or you're used to a system where once I walk in the room, the entire room lights up and I can see everything. And through their art style and everything like that, they really had this area where you could just sort of like peer around, play with the, the angle of your character to try to like, is there anything in here? What do I need to know about yeah. before I walk in that room? And that was pretty much it for me. So that's All why right. I was going to go first. All right. You want to save? You want to be the, the dessert topping in this, in this, uh, uh whatever yeah, we're can, making here, this yeah. cream brulee? You can uh, go first. You um, that's not necessarily a thing you want to be the topping of. Oh, yeah. That's true. That gets burned, doesn't it? Okay. Um, so. All right, my, my overall statement to this game, or, or, or where I'm coming from, I talked about playing Souls games, um, and I'm, I'm very much a hardcore fan. I'm wearing my Bloodborne shirt today. I was wearing a, a, a Praise the Sun t-shirt yesterday. Like, it has rivaled Zelda in terms of my collectability to a game. Like, Zelda is the only other game that I go out of my way to, like, collect and go to Etsy and search and look at and like, oh, that's really cool and things like that. And this is across all of the games, minus some Dark Souls 2. I'm not I'm not as hot on Dark Souls 2 uh, as I am for the rest of the games. And, and that's kind of common in the community. Different reasons, I think, for each player. 
But I didn't start playing Souls until last year when Bloodborne came out. And even then it was like a month later, okay? I started by interested in the PlayStation 4. Well, or the Xbox One. What should I get? I don't know. I'm watching Let's Players stream the exclusives because that would sort of decide one console or the other. Because uh, as far as the rest of them, they both seem pretty similar to me in features. And you got to pay the same amount for multiplayer. And you know, there wasn't anything much to really differentiate. So I'm watching the exclusive titles. None were gripping me. And then I got into a point where I realized for about a month, I'd been watching Bloodborne Let's Plays like of, of streamers of, that I didn't even watch. Like I was searching Bloodborne footage. And I could see, like, you very much come up to a very rough boss in the beginning called the Cleric Beast. It was, it was very early. And I was spotting the patterns that, that after having watched a lot of people of, like, the Cleric Beast has a giant arm and a little arm. And it's like the attacks are telegraphed by which arm starts moving. And it's like they need to get away. They're about to get smacked with the big arm because when the little arm goes in like that, he's going to follow up the big arm and not like this. And it drew me in because there was a, um, a Mega Man-like quality where the Mega Man games are all about pattern recognition. At least the good ones are. And it's like memorize the stage, memorize the pattern, understand what's happening. And it's a breeze, you know? You can get through the, the classic Mega Mans in about an hour if you know what to use on what, the tax of the boss, and what the stages are offering, right? They're still fun. And... There was a second component that, like the original Legend of Zelda, what I love so much about it, there is no explicit quest system. There's no explicit quest system in the original Legend of Zelda. You've got a bunch of empty pieces on a triangle, and you're like, "Mm, I try filling that up. How do I do that? Nobody's telling me how to do that. You beat a boss, you get a piece of the triangle, and you're like, okay, there's got to be like eight more of these around somewhere. Um, let me just go in this direction. It's like you can finish level two before you even start level yeah. one, and you don't even know this is level two if it didn't say it in the you upper left. You can find level corner. three and not even know where two is at. And, but know? at some point, they do kind of limit you on which ones you can go. You have to have the raft to go into exactly. the island it's, to get to level there five. There are points in the game where they gate progress on items, and the Souls games <laughs> do this as well. The Souls games do a point where either a boss or having... To get beyond the boss, to get a key for something, you know, does gate that as well. Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a heavy convert to the Souls series. I've played all of them multiple times, but only in the span of a year, okay? But at this point, the Souls games are becoming a genre, okay? That is a Souls-like is a thing now. I, uh, Salt and Sanctuary is another one that is out uh, that has a really... One foot in Souls, one foot in Castlevania. Like, if you've got either of those appeal to you, um, like Dark Mouse, you guys may bounce off of. But if you're like, hmm, I, you know, want to be dupe with the whip. But have a little bit more of a complicated system of uh, combat and stats to level up. Um, like, Salt and Sanctuary is pretty great. Plus, Salt and Sanctuary, you can do co-op on the couch. Um, it's not obvious uh, I wish they would have made it a little bit more obvious on how to do it. You have to do some things in-game to activate it. But there's Eater, there's like five other games on my Steam library uh, that are either out or coming out or in early access that would be Souls-like. And these are mostly indies at the moment. Um, I would say Ubisoft's For Honor might be taking some inspiration from Dark Souls. 
Um, I it's not out yet and haven't played any demos of it, so I don't know how true that is. It's just in art. It's looking like they're they're doing that. And Dark Mouse is the example of making a genre game without understanding why the genre is the way it is. Okay? This is like coming into a roguelike and focusing on RNG. And it's like RNG is critical to roguelikes, but it doesn't make the roguelike. And it's not the end-all, be-all. The procedural level of generation is a component. Like you were talking Rogue Legacy. Yeah. Having your previous playthrough carry over into new characters, like they do it through generations, is sort of essential in the roguelike genre. Like if that's what you're going for, that crowd is going to expect that thing. And we're at the cusp of the Souls genre, so we're going to have some of these stumbles. And I think Dark Mouse is a really... Well coded, and the art style is great game. Yeah, and I think I'm mean, when I get into my list here, like my list is really focused around you misinterpreted or took or didn't understand why these mechanics exist in the Souls games correctly. When you implement in your game, it's more of a copying without understanding than understanding the base system and then implementing it appropriately in your game. Um, I think the developer did a really good job of accomplishing what he set out to do. Like if I had to imagine a 2D Souls game, this would be it. I mean, it's really not my thing, but I think he did a good job in doing that transition into 2D. And that's part of the problem I have when I'm typing this stuff up is I'm going to sound really harsh on this because I'm passionate about the Souls and I'm passionate about this game design conversation. Please take away from this podcast that I'm talking about the game design aspects around the Souls games and implemented in Dark Mouse and how they play around. I think if you're a fan of the Souls games, if you can check that box, Dark Mouse is worth checking into. Okay? If you're not, I don't think it's worth it at all. I can't give a review on this game because there's too many caveats before I can recommend it to you. Like, I need you to fill out this eight-question survey... Before I can understand whether I can recommend this game to you. I even need to know a bit of why you're playing the Souls games. Because there's different reasons people play them. And if you're playing on the lore aspect end of things, Dark Mouse is not for you. Dark Mouse is not offering those things. If you're into the combat and the mechanics and the systems, take a look at Dark Mouse. So, as it sounds like I beat this game up a little bit, please know I am talking on design. I've it's an excellent thing what one person has co- uh, accomplished. It's an X and A game. Uh, a development blog was kept at darkmouse.com. So you can go back there and see the post of how these particle systems were implemented and done in different versions. I think a very awesome thing is the developer posted a very alpha build to Reddit. So there's a post to the Reddit Dark Souls. Hey, I'm looking at this thing. You know, check this thing out. What do you guys think? And it actually had a good playable build going, and it was very well received. And I don't think it was planned this way. I think he was just looking for feedback. He's got an alpha, looking for feedback. And, you know, you guys are interested in this, should I try to make this a game? But the effect was when he went to green light, he had a fan base ready to go to get him to green light. And I think if you're doing a genre-based game to find some of the games in the genre, when you get to a playable demo state and seek those people and say, hey, here's a free game. It's a demo. What do you guys think? I'm looking for feedback. Yeah, the developer is Daniel Wright. Thank you. I didn't write down his, yeah, his name. I had to there. look it up. Um, 
So I think that was a really good thing. Um, I think to get into the game itself uh, for mechanics, my reason for suggesting this game and recommending this game was the ghost mechanic. So this is why I brought the game up among the group versus any of the other Souls games, Salt and Sanctuary, stuff like that that I'm tracking that I'm interested in. Um, is because the ghost mechanic looked like, from the videos, every time you died, a ghost spawned and sort of re-ran the same path as you or accompanied you. And if you got to a point that was frustrating, at some point, you would have so many ghost mice fighting with you, it would not be frustrating anymore. It would just, the game would self-regulate the difficulty, and that's what I was appealed to. And it doesn't work that way. Um, the ghost mice are there. Yes, they help, but they're items you have to find and unlock. Yeah. They don't keep adding. You have to find more items to be able to have more. So usually you have one. They're not the smartest. I'll get into this a little bit. So they're not really working the way I imagined they were going to work. I don't think it was the developer's intent to ever have them work on this way. Um, but they didn't work the way I expected, um, Let's see, you mentioned the 2D art, so we covered that, so I'm going to skip my notes on the 2D art. Um, the spinning map, I don't know if you guys played far enough to get to a situation where this happened. I did make a note about that. Yeah, it was very there were a couple places where it reoriented, zoomed out, zoomed in. It was very frustrating when I was going through a small <laughs> corridor and there's like these prickly things sticking out that can kill you. Then all of a sudden the map starts turning. I was like, please don't turn on please me. I'm trying to get... don't turn the map. <laughs> like, not only from... The environmental hazards and things like that. <laughs> Me just knowing, like, I had to get back to the town. The town south, or is it east now? Because you turned the map south, and it made a cool artistic effect. But practically, I would leave it. I do think that's an effect that, like, I, the place you're talking about, that could be used effectively, but you have to set up enough time. Before and after, so it's not just like, oh, I'm right here. It was a little more tolerable. Um, I don't know if, if you guys got to uh, the keep, the castle. Uh, so. When you got to the castle and it did that, it's like, okay, I'm inside of a building now. And yeah. it's a little bit more. But when it was just doing it out in the open areas. I think the castle was actually where I was just like, I died deep inside the castle. And I was just like, uh... I got to the point where there's like a mouse with a big like two-handed axe and you're like trapped. I guess it's like a boss fight. And that mm -hmm. axe just like one shots me. I was like, okay. I, I tried it like five or six times. And, and that was the, is that the first boss fight that you hit? The first fog gate that you went through? Yeah. It was like a swirly black thing. Yes. And so you actually hit, I think, a second or third boss. This game, this is a note to... Because Make me skip it when I get down to it. I noticed it did have a name for that yeah. boss. And I think I saw that before, but I just passed the other The game yes. didn't do as good. So like in Bloodborne, um, Father Gascoigne is a gatekeeping boss. He is the second boss you can encounter. He, he might be the first one you encounter. Um, and the mechanics and the combat you have to learn to defeat him is essential for play of Bloodborne. He's almost like, Okay, pop quiz. You've played this level now. Do you understand how parry works? Because if you don't, you're going to hate life in Bloodborne, and we're not going to let you to the rest of the game until you learn that. And Dark Mouse didn't have that in there. You could kind of go around some of these starter bosses that the very first one, I think you 
can encounter is a larger variant of the bull. And um, it's actually where I stopped the character I was on, read a guide, because I was getting really frustrated with this fight, found out about things like decks and all that, made a new character so that I could put my points into now what I was understanding their effects, um, got back to that fight, and that fight, basically, once you have learned the dash attack, which is the first maneuver you get, that boss fight is trivial. Dash attack, dash attack, dash attack, dash attack, dash attack, you're done. That should have been sort of like a gatekeeping thing of like, hey, a lot of the fights in Dark Mouse get trivial when you start to understand dash attack. Um, But there is nothing... The thing that Souls games do really well is these implicit tutorials. Tutorials by the environment that force you to go through something and say, hey, this is going to happen. Demon Souls has a great bit where you're coming down some stairs to a boss fight. And on the stairs are these black blob creatures that have a giant shield for a face. They're just one off by themselves. By themselves... They're not even that interesting of, an, of, a, of a thing. They have a spear and a shield that doesn't move, and it's just a blob. And you come up, you hit the shield, and it doesn't do any damage, and you hit it from behind. And the stairs are set in such a way that the first one, you're going to hit head-on and have a hard time getting behind. And then the next one, you come up from behind almost. And so like the game is like, you hit the shield, you hit from behind, you see the difference. Then you walk into a boss fight. That is 30 of them. But the game has already taught you how to deal with these guys. If you go head on, they're going to wreck you. You're going to have to like run around the, the side and fight from the park. And this is an implicit tutorial. There's nothing... This is sequelitis. Like, if you guys have seen the sequelitis yeah. video of Mega Man, how it drops you in the pit, and in the process of getting out of the pit, you'll learn you can slide down walls because that's just what's going to happen. It's the Goombas and Mario. You're going to... They come two together, so the odds of you landing on top of them are very high. You know, the question box is placed in an area where you're likely to jump and hit it with your head rather than get on top of it first. Try, you know. So these are the implicit tutorial things of of Souls games that, frankly, if you're making a Souls-like game, these are not 101-level game design things. These are, like, advanced, experienced things. You kind of have to know a lot and experience a lot to get into it. So knowing that this was a game in the Soul style, I remember back, I played some of the first Dark Soul game, probably like 10 hours, and the very first boss that you come across, you're supposed to completely avoid it, right? So that's why I was thinking in this game, is like, okay, they're sending this boss at me. Do I really need to kill this boss, or am I supposed to just keep going? Yeah, so um, that's a mechanic. That's a tutorial thing they're teaching you in, in the Souls games. And they're doing it early because you're not used to it. You don't have to fight this fight. It might look like you have to fight this fight, but we're going to keep killing you and sending you back to the bonfire. That's right in front of the thing. So, like, yeah. there's no time loss. So that's why I kept, like, avoiding... I just avoided the first boss and Dark Mouse. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, 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 okay, I can see, yeah, that's a thing. But like in Bloodborne and in, and in, in Souls games too, there'll be bosses that are unavoidable. Like if you want to progress through that door and there's a boss on the other side, you have to do that. There are terrible bosses. I don't mean to say the Capra Demon is a terrible boss. I don't know if you got that far to hit the Capra Demon in, in Dark Souls. Um, he's, he's in that little um, keep area that you go to next that you, you sort of find as your, you know, the area you should go to. 
and you walk into a very tight alleyway. He comes jumping at you with his two swords, and two dogs come at you as well. Now, the thing you got to do is dodge, and then there's a staircase you can run up that creates a problem for the three creatures. They can only go up one at a time, and then you can manage the fight. There is no way to know that's going to happen until you've died several times and actually managed to, like, while you're dying, see a staircase. So they don't get it right in, in the Souls games either all the time. Yeah, so I'm wondering in Dark Mouse, is there any actual benefit to defeating the first boss? I mean, does it just give you additional morrow so you can actually upgrade your abilities and stats? Or Because, like we said earlier, that isn't like a gatekeeping boss. If you want to go back and play the game, if you're like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and try this. Um, I found on my second playthrough that extreme exploration as you progress and find every hidden thing and everything and all of that will get you the gear to get you to the end of the game. If you miss that boss, yeah, maybe he just gives you some marrow. He might, there might be an item I can't remember. Um, that marrow to your levels, though, is critical. Um, and the game doesn't really give you a nice good spot to grind either. Like if you just wanted to, to grind. There's a few points where I was shy of being able to have enough pyromancy to... Um, at the end of the pyromancy chain is a weapon buff. So the pyromancy spells, I didn't find that great. The cast the fireballs, they seem too slow, it's not worth it. But at the end of the pyromancy chain is a uh, fire attack for your sword. That's a permanent effect. So it's just like extra damage on top of your sword damage. Um, so, uh, all right, on my list here, uh, the controls. So... <clears throat> This is not a, a Souls thing, but given the way the game was set up, I really felt like this should have been a dual-stick control. I should have been able to move in one direction and face the other. Um, one of the innovations in the Souls series, or one of the changes from convention, is that the triggers do your attacks versus the buttons. Like in most RPGs, A and X is cast a spell, and A is swing, and things like that. You know, like Fable and things like that. And the Souls games keep your... your um, thumbs on the sticks so you can be manipulating camera and moving your character um while swinging and attacking and that allows them to have a more depth in-depth and complex combat system than you could get away with and say fable because i can't really do the maneuvering i need to do to pull off some of these attacks so when i went to the 2d thing and it was top down i the biggest problem was trying to back away from an archer and at some point, your lock broke because you were too far away from that creature. Yeah. And then your mouse just turned around and showed his butt to the archer. And you got an arrow in the butt, you know? Uh, and that really sucked. So uh, the input, we talked about this, felt delayed. Dexterity seemed like it was supposed to compensate that, but didn't work that yeah. way. Th that was actually the one of the things I ran into early on. Like, I played it on my laptop, which is kind of underpowered for a lot of games. I'm like... This is not responding. Is it the is it my laptop or is it the game? And then I went and played it on my Steam console and like it's a little both. It, yeah, it, it a lot of the game because I I messed around a little bit when I was getting frustrated the first time into it of running it in a window versus full screen. Yeah, because I know X and A has had historical full screen issues, so I was like, I wonder if that's part of it. But no, the game itself seems to spend too much time in the start animations of an attack. And that gives you the effect of a slow attack. Um, Demon Souls will do this. Dark Souls will do this. Bloodborne will do this. When you have a giant, heavy, great sword in your hand, it's like 
you get to knock people off ledges with this thing. Your cost for using the weapon is you're going to have to anticipate the attack. But if that's not your style, there's a light, fast rapier, uh, rapier, you know, and you can just, you know, use that all day long if you want to very, very, very fast and quick, and you can adapt to the style. Um, I found in, in, in the gameplay, in the combat in Dark Mouse, it was too easily... It was too easy to wind up being stun locked by an enemy. Like once you got hit, there was no way for you to get out of or block with the shield before you got hit three more times by the same enemy. Um, and I think that's a balance issue. I just think that's a balance issue. I think that's where like the like the bull fights. The bull was one. Yeah, because if was you just got like... in front of the bull and got hit once, you would never get out of being in front of the bull. Yep. Um, small gripe here. But the start and back buttons are switched. Like, start, um, I think, was doing what I'd normally expected back to do, like bring up additional options and properties and starts like your menu and quit type thing like that. And so, um, small gripe, just a small gripe. Like, there's a convention, though, for these buttons. And uh, the NPC companions, did you guys meet the... uh, White mouse. Yes, I'm. At, yes, I let the white mouse die as well. <laughs> so, uh, which I don't think you're supposed to do that. But I think it did drop a bow that I could have used, which I didn't use the bow. Um, they take friendly damage and they become more of an annoyance because it's already tough enough to deal with the creatures and the fight without having friendly fire on. And it's weird because the ghosts don't do friendly fire. Um. The AI is not great. Like, it would just go off and wander into fights that weren't even on my screen. Uh, so trying to keep it alive. See the little message? Whatever the mouse's name was. is taking like damage. Or, or, yeah, it's getting hurt or something like that. I'm like, come on. Like, sit here for a second. I'm trying to level up. I was like, know? do I really want to use my health consumables on this AI-controlled companion? I'd rather <laughs> save my, like, health regeneration for myself. My next my next note is they are just effectively a health item drain, <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, you're carrying too many health items. Let's give you an NPC. Um, I did get both. There's two NPCs that you meet. I think there's two. There might have been one. Uh, I did save both of them and kind of got pissed off what happens with the second one. Um and it's supposed to be like a Dark Souls type plot twist thing, but one of my complaints is they sort of automatically do things that should have been questions. You know, like I'm not even sure if the first mouse asks you if you want to escort her. Like it's just like escort me. But says something like that. And it's like, no, 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 a Souls game. Piss off. I cannot do any of the story or lore if I choose. And th- that, it's like automatically, like there was another point where there's a cat and the cat just like, oh, you have the such and such item. I'm interested in that. And then it's like, you gave the item over. Like, no, you don't do that in a Souls game. You make me think about, well, if this is a decision, that means there's a consequence and there may not be an advantage to either, you know, like because it's a Souls game. Um, and taking that out, taking those dialogue prompts and things out, um, I think also frustrated with the NPCs because also like sometimes I just like, I'm not going to talk to you yet. I'm going to go clear this area and I'll come back and talk to you and extort you because your pathing in AI is crap. Uh, also their talk prompts kept coming up when they were on, uh, the quests 
and would get in the way of me trying to pick up marrow or rest at a bonfire. Because it's like they're just like getting next to you and then would make comments of like, back off, you're too close. I'm like, <laughs> stop staring on my marrow, okay? Like, you're standing on my marrow. I'm going to walk over here. Anyway. Uh, the ghost mechanic, we talked a little bit about that. Um, I personally would not have gated that behind an item, and I would have worked like it more like I had to find. Uh, the, the pathing, I think we talked about that a little bit. Uh, the enemy AI still aggressively targets the player over the ghosts, which, again, I felt that needed to be tweaked and balanced a bit because it lessened the value of having the ghosts. Yeah. They just intended to attract more things to a fight than they did actually helping me deal with the one creature I was having a problem with. If they, it was, I noticed if they happened to pick up an enemy, that was great, but that was not always a guarantee. <coughs> I still think there's a lot of idea to explore in this idea of ghosts from the bonfire uh, mechanic. So, I know I've been doing this a lot, and I'm going to do this in, in, in some more explicit ways. I'm going to compare the game directly to the Souls games. Right. I think that is a fair thing to do, though, given that this game is very obviously wearing its inspiration on its sleeve. It's what it's going for. It's what it's intended to do. So I think these are valid criticisms that can lay at the game uh, versus a game that might be in the same genre, but it's like, we're both RPGs. I, it doesn't mean Skyrim should be compared with uh, Skyward Sword, you know? Like, come on. Like, why are you expecting that to work like the other game? Um, where it might be a little bit less of a fair comparison. So, difficulty. This is my biggest gripe with the Souls games. And you guys have talked about, like, oh, I just don't have time for the hard games and all that. And the difficulty... I'm not going to say the Souls games are, are easy, and they're not difficult, because they are. But they're not as hard as they are made out to be. I mean, Cicely finished Demon Souls, right? She doesn't play any of these type of games. And we sat together, and my coaching was more of advice on stats or what doing this item versus that item, what the benefits or consequences was, and, you know, pointing out, like, hey, there was a path you missed here to go back and get. But I was not stopping her from hitting all the traps, getting surprised by all the creatures, you know. I, I just may have been like, keep that magic shield with you, you know. And then, okay, so you know magic's going to be a thing, but you don't know where it's coming from, uh... You know, so, like, there was a little encouragement to not get super frustrated with it, but she beat Demon Souls. She beat the final bosses and, you know, got to them all. And a surprisingly good number of bosses, like, most of the bosses in most Souls games do have some cheese strats to them. And you can find a way of, like, hey, I found this ledge. You can't reach me on this ledge. And I just shot it from arrows from up here. Uh, Soul Sicily figured out some of these. And I think they're intentional. I don't think these are like exploits. These are like, no, they could have very easily made the level so that that couldn't happen. They could have very easily made it so that the uh, boss didn't have a field of view or a range in which it would be active that you could actually get far enough away from the boss in the boss chamber that it would just walk back to the center because you wandered away too far like a regular enemy would, right? They put these things in there and, you know, Sicily, we weren't using any guides. So when she got these, you feel accomplishment. And, it, and it's weird. It's like, no, 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 you cheese this really hard, difficult game. So no, they're not designed that way. They're designed for you to solve the puzzle. And there's multiple solutions to the puzzle. And that is a legit one. Knowing all of his attacks and jumping in there and getting melee right in the face and like going toe-to-toe -to -toe 
is a way to play. That's the way I like to play. I actually like to be a spellcaster in every other RPG, and I have not liked spellcasting in Souls. I would much rather sword and board, go toe-to-toe, let's do this. It's just the way the games are designed because I feel like I don't need to blast it from a thousand yards away because if I get up, I just have, I'm going to take so much damage. It's like, no, 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 I know his pattern. He's not going to hit me. My thing is to carry big giant axes and big heavy shields and almost no armor because I don't plan to get hit. I plan to use the shield to deflect projectiles um, and maybe bash something over the head and the big axe to take big swings and knock things down quickly. And I don't intend to get hit, so I don't really need armor. Um, and that way I can stay light and fast and be jumping all around uh, the place. So the difficulty in Dark Mouse um, seems to be hardness for hardness sake. The difficulty in Dark Souls is, one, look for the puzzle solution. This is not the game you bang your head up against it. And it's where most people will get turned off for the game because most games allow you to run in, mash X, and win. And that's just the way they're designed. There's a lot of games are just, you know, mash this button. And Dark Souls has more of a fighting game timing component to it. You don't want to mash because there is input queuing and you need to time and you need to hit things at certain frames of animation. Um, And there's invincibility frames, just like there's frames in a fighting game where you can and cannot land a hit. Okay. And it's about knowing those systems um, and then you can get in there. Of course, you can stand back and be a mage if you want and blast him from a distance. That's valuable in the Souls games, too. And some would say the magic in the Souls games is overpowering. Like, a lot of them have let you um, stand back and be a glass cannon and go through 99% of the game never getting toe-to-toe with anything. Um, I think that's another valid solution to the puzzle. I don't think that's a problem. And I think people that have struggled against it if you want to jump back into it, my thing would be like, maybe read some guides, play around with some build types or things like that, and find which one of these is the way that you want to play the game. Because at the end of the day, Miyazaki has actually said he is considered easy mode. And it's funny because Blamco, uh, Bandai Namco, has made him take back that statement because they market the game. You know, it's, it's prepare yeah. to die and you're going to die over and over again. These games are hard and only the true gamer can do that. That's their marketing garbage. Um, and they made him say basically, it's like, oh, that was sort of a translation issue or something like that. But no, Miyazaki is a game designer like any other. And he's like, if there's people who cannot play my games... And there's a way for me to let them play that still allows the people who like the games to continue enjoying the way they like it. I want to explore that. But he also does have a devilish side. He is also on record of saying in Bloodborne, I took away shields because too many people were playing cautiously. And I wanted to see how this affects gameplay. Like we're all rats. There you go, dark mouse. We're all dark mice in his little game. And he's like, what if I take away their shields? How, how do they deal with that, you know? Um, so Bloodborne takes away shields and gives you a gun in the offhand, um, and it's very different gameplay um, than the the other Souls but games. But I didn't feel in Dark Mouse there's, like, that level of customability. Like, yeah. if I wanted to be a mage, well, I have the pyro spell, I have fireballs, that's it. Or I could use a two-handed big sword or, like, the rapier that you are talking about earlier, but that's the level of customization toward a specific class in, in Dark Mouse. And it didn't. It, it doesn't have... That's another one of my things on here. The variety in weapons of Dark Souls versus Dark Mouse. And it's kind of a hard... It's, it's, 
I will take flack on that statement because it's one guy, one game. He put weapon types in there, but I think he overreached because uh, there is different weapons and different attacks and different enemy weaknesses to piercing versus slashing versus, you know, bludgeoning. And it's like, you don't have the weapon variety to have that many armor types and all of that. You need to dial this back to a rock, paper, scissors type scenario uh, and simplify I think you've overreached with the capability of one person's going to do on, on, on a game by themselves. Um, the other point of difficulty in the Souls game, which Dark Mouse kind of gets this, but it comes off more frustrating and doesn't allow suspense to develop. So when you get your, your Souls legs, let's call them, when you get the moment and you're sort of like, I've got my build and I'm, I, I, I may die. I, I may, you know, get wrecked by something, but I stand a chance. I feel confident in standing a chance to go up against this big thing. And, I mean, the, the bosses, when I first played them in the Souls games, they're huge. They don't fit on the screen. And it's just like, how do you fight something that doesn't fit on the screen? Now that I'm versed in the language of the Souls games, it's like, yeah, I get it. It's fine. It's no big deal. Boss, whatever size, I, I could take you down. <clears throat> the... Difficulty in, like, hey, I can still die. I can still blow my combo. I can still get caught off guard, you know, fall for this trap. Isn't so much in, like, give me challenging, hard gameplay and just make it harder and harder and harder. It's that when I go into a new room or a new area, what is down that hallway? And it works hand in hand with the fact that Souls games have, for most purposes, one currency that is both your leveling up and you're buying equipment currency, and you're buying consumables, right? And so when you lose your souls, when you lose your marrow, that's huge. And it creates this tension if you're walking around with a lot of souls or a lot of marrow, but you've made a lot of progress. Like, do I press on hoping there's a bonfire behind the next door? Do I backtrack and level up with all the souls I've amassed and then just have to refight this level again? You know, and it creates this nice tension in the gameplay that creates a very tense thing that then the level design can then play off of and be like, oh, here's your bonfire right in the corner the whole time. What were you worried about? And then also be like, there's your bonfire down this long hall of nothing but archers and they're coming at you. So it's too late. You know, you shouldn't have stepped here until you were ready. Um, so they can, they can do that. Um, there's an equality with the player that the enemies should have. It varies. It's not one-to-one. I'm not going to say like every enemy uses the exact same mechanics and weapons of, of the player can use. But most enemies do. And most enemies behave like the player character. So you don't know how many talking about you can get stun-locked. You should then be able to stun-lock enemies. And you can't. Because you the, can't the attack fast enough. The enemies don't stagger the way you get staggered on hit. And in the Souls games, that's one of the, the, the difficult but fair things is like, oh yeah, you got hit, you got staggered. Well, if you do that same thing to that creature, it will be staggered and have a long opening and you can do the same thing to you. You know, there's, there's powerful moves, there's backstabs and, um, <clears throat> what do you say, reposits? How do you say that word? Reposts. Reposts, thank you. Um, and reposts, right? Enemies can repost you as well. And it'll do the same animation that you do to them, and it'll take about the same good amount of chunk of health as it takes off of you. So there's sort of an equality of 
okay, he's using the same weapons I use, uses the same shields I use, has a stamina, will run out of stamina, I can let them exhaust their attacks, so and then knowing that they can't really block now because they have no stamina and their shield will break, and it doesn't seem like Dark Mouse had that implemented. It's, it's hard to know because even in Dark Souls, like there's not a stamina meter on the enemy. Um, you just sort of have to know from playing your own character. The castle is very much a Sin's Fortress from Dark Souls. In Dark Souls, there's an area called Sin's Fortress that is an area of traps. It is nothing but an area of traps. My problem with it in Dark Mouse is there was no reason why this castle should have so many spiked walls and traps going on in it. Sin's Fortress isn't a castle. It's a fortress design, you Sin. To prevent people from getting to Londo, the realm of the gods. And it's like, you cannot go to the gods unless you can pass this test. So there's a lore reason for this thing to exist, not because throwing a bunch of traps at people are fun. But again, right. this was a single designer. It is a you single know, designer. I, I, it is, but yeah. if you're going to go for a Souls-like game, you open up these comparisons. Um, and then that's sort of the thing of like, in Souls games, the environmental storytelling is huge. Okay, if there's a body on a cliff that you pick an item up from, it matters what that armor that body was wearing, where was it, how was it placed on the cliff, and what was the item that you just picked up from it, because it fits narratively in what's either going on in this area, with a story, with a quest. None of this stuff is explicit in Souls games. This is why I was saying if you play for the lore, you're not going to like Dark Mouse, because it doesn't seem to honor that, okay, there's a poison swamp, well... Why is there a poison swamp here? What happened to this land? How did it become corrupted? Who did it? Why did they do it? What happened? You know, and things like that. There's just a poison area because there's a poison area. Thankfully, the poison area is small <laughs> because poison is still one of the worst mechanics to ever be invented in games. I'm just, it's yeah. never liked in any game. The you are being hunted. Did you guys ever get this? No, I didn't see that. So this is the random event that will occur that is supposed to simulate PvP invasions and Souls games. And another mouse comes in attacking you. Random to, like, a mouse like you with a sword and a shield. Do you have to get past a certain point to trigger it? No. It seems to just be a random okay, event. Okay, so you could have it at the beginning. You could have it at the beginning. There might be a point that, but I know if you made it to the castle, you could have already had them. Because I had them well before I got to the castle. It's supposed to be a PvP invasion thing, which is something that is varied in its mechanics between each Souls game. But the basic idea is that players can invade other players. As an enemy, they appear. There's usually a lot put on the, the, the host, me, who's being invaded, to have advantages. And the invader is at a lot of disadvantages. Some of the games have halved the health of the invader. So I get my full health bar... You get none. Um, I think some of the games have prevented healing. Um, so, like, you can't heal. I could be wrong in that. But there are items that you could use on somebody to stop them from healing as well. So you come in half health and can't heal, you need to be good at invading. But it does sort of mix things up a bit when all of a sudden that comes on, you see a message, you're being invaded by Red Phantom, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, it's on. They seem to happen infrequent enough, and they seem to be stacked in your favor enough that they don't have the negative consequence you would think they might have of like, oh, man, people are just trolling me. It's like, no, no, no. It actually is like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, let's take a break. Let's do this. Oh, you're a caster. I'm a tank. This is going to be fun. Let's see what he's using. I've got a new toy for you. Check this out. You know, you, know, you try out your new weapon, your new attack. Um, and so there's a lot to that that ends up making it more interesting. Um, Bloodborne does it like their latest game. Uh, I don't know how Dark Souls 3 is doing it, but Bloodborne did it by actually having very sp- a specific NPC in the game. You went in the area. It told you a bell woman ring a bell ringing woman is ringing a sinister bell, and this only happened in two areas of the main game, I think. Um, if you find that NPC and kill her, invasions are stopped for the area. Done. You can't invade the area. In Dark Souls, uh, if you kill the boss of the area, then you can't get invaded. So if you're like, ah, I didn't get invaded or something like that, well, just go into a boss fight. They can't invade you in a boss fight. And once you beat the boss, you know, then um, the uh, the other thing, of course, with these things is there's the co-op option as well. All of these games have an option. That's, again, with the difficulty of the games, that's something that is designed to regulate the difficulty. Co-op. And I hate the Bando Namkai marketing that's just sort of... to drives down the fact of like, no, you shouldn't have to co-op. That means you're not a good gamer, you know? You're not truly a Souls fan if you co-op. Bullcrap. I'm enjoying Dark Souls 2 a lot on another playthrough now because I've just decided I'm co-oping all the time because I really wasn't loving this game the first time through like I did the others, and I'm trying to give it a second chance, and now I'm just co-oping all the time, and I'm having a blast. You know, joining up because the co-op doesn't last a long time. The co-op is a time thing. So either it's like in Dark Souls 2, it's either like five minutes or so. And then that person is out. If you just want help with the level or if you want help with the boss, it's to the end of the boss fight. And then they go back. So the you are being hunted thing, it's overpowering. The invaders are not handicapped. They're actually much, much stronger than you. And when they kill you, your life is permanently cut to half. And it goes back up on a timer. There's nothing you can do. There's no item you can use to go restore my health. Let me take human form again like it would be in the Souls games. And it is extremely frustrating. Because not only is this event random, it seems to love to go off when you're right in the middle of a fight of, say, two bulls. And you're like, right now, I don't have the time to deal with anything extra. Oh, here's another mouse that can dash and attack like me. This is great. This is gone. It steals your marrow. So your marrow is not found on the ground. You have permanently lost a number of marrow. It just takes it with it. Um, I think that's a terrible mechanic, the way they have it implemented a game. I would actually say that needs to come out, be gratefully thought about before it goes back in to make it to where... I mean, if you guys had hit that early, it's a quit-the-game-never-come-back level of rage. Um, we talked about the NPCs already, the level design. So, um, the Souls games, what I love about their level design is they don't do what I call key loops. There might be a couple, but they don't do the key loop that is so often in many other games, which is where you're going along. I'm in my dungeon, I'm going to the dungeon, and oh, here's a locked door. Crap, I have to get a key. Here's a side door. I go down the side door, I go through a whole bunch of rooms of enemies, whatever, I get the key, and then I come right back out that side door to open the door to progress to go on. So this was just an artificial way of delaying me of getting on. Like, I, the, the whole little side area is irrelevant. It's not part of the main progression path. 
And the Souls games don't tend to do that that much. What I call them is um, Forward Circles is, is my name that I've given to it. I don't, I, there, there might be a better name for this. But in Dark Souls, in the very beginning, you go through a sewer bridge and you come out on top of the roof of a building. Okay, And at this point, there's like an item you can drop down and see from the roof. And that will lead to stairs headed back. And now you're on top the bridge you just came out. You grab some more items. It would be very easy then to say, turn around, go back down the ladder, go back around and get back up on your roof and go forward. They don't do that. You can jump off the bridge onto the area where you started this loop. This is what I mean by forward circles. You are never going backwards. You're repeating content. You're going, it's a, it's a great level design thing because you reuse content. I designed this bridge, I placed all the barrels and everything around here, I fixed all the windows and the bricks, and now I make the player go through the whole thing twice. Saves me a lot of effort, and like they get more time to play, and I don't have to create a whole other area, which is very time-consuming. But because the player doesn't turn around, it doesn't feel like I just went on a little delay circuit and went through this area twice. I kept going forward. I went forward, dropped down, went up the ladder, went on the bridge, jumped off the bridge, going forward, back to where I was, and went forward to the door. I never had to turn around and go back to the door that I needed to unlock. Um, and Dark Mouse has a lot of, you hit a door, go find the key, loop around, go through this whole side area, now make your way back to that bonfire and that door, now open this, you know. And sometimes this can make sense. There is a door toward the end of the game that is like, okay, this is the big bad. This is going to be the final area. It's going to take a bit to unlock this door. I'm going to have to do this side contraption and that side contraption. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just a regular door in a hallway, and then you have to go do a bunch of side things, and you come back to that regular door in the hallway and unlock it, and that whole side stuff was really pointless. Um, yeah, I always find it frustrating where I had to have like a specific key for a specific door. I like the Zelda style where I just have a stock number of you have keys. A number of keys. And I can use this key. Well, they had the big key, which kind of limited toward the boss areas, but just trying to figure out which door required which key was frustrating for me. At yeah. yeah. You still get the key loop, but it's not a matter of which of the three doors <clears throat> that I didn't go through was the one I should have. It's just pick one and it progresses me. So, um, last thing, um, we already talked about the weapons and the same. Last note I have is I actually think I encountered a, a fog gate bug. My, uh, <coughs> fog gates are the name given to the, um, the doors areas that are the dark fog that you went up to that you go through, but it doesn't dissolve, doesn't dissipate because you can't go back through because you're trapped in a boss arena. Um, the Souls games will also use the fog game doors as a way of subdividing a zone so you'll hit the fog door there could be a boss behind it there could be more level behind it but souls games way of telling you here's a point to take a break and look around the area here's a nice little like we're going to keep this door arbitrarily closed requires no keys so that you can go okay I've seen what this little zone has to offer. Now let me do a second loop and just make sure I didn't miss any items. Good. Let me press on now. Now I'm ready to press on. So um, I experienced a bug, one of those fog gates, where the enemies and my ghost mice went through the fog door like it wasn't there, 
fought each other there, triggered the boss, and then started fighting the boss and stuff like that, and I'm not even in there yet. Wow. Yes, so I think I might have had an easier time with the final boss fight because that happened, and it seems like when I was reading online, it's like this is a boss fight that spawns additional enemies, uh, multiple enemies, that can be more of a challenge than the actual boss. Uh, just dealing with the ads coming at you. And I may have had an easier time with that. But um, again, I want to go back before I hand it off to Levi for any notes he's got over there. Like, overall, I think if you're in the Souls game, you might want to check this out. I think as a game designer, I think these are valid conversations to have. And, you know, we're doing a game design chat podcast. We're not doing a review of the games. Okay, so I'll go over my notes real quickly. Like I said earlier, I played it for about four and a half, five hours or so. Uh, the one thing I absolutely loved about this game is like when I press start, I was immediately playing the game. And I hate games where they start you out with a bunch of text or a video or something like that. It's like, just get me in the action. I can tell, oh, I'm a mouse and I'm like shipwrecked or something. That's enough story for me. But through the NPCs, like the little small uh, white mouse that was your companion, it seems like there's a little bit of story thrown in just by your interactions with the other characters. That right there is, uh, I'm good you said that, because that is a good example of the environmental storytelling that they, they, Mouse did correctly. Mm-hmm. You're there, you hit start, you see the shipwreck scene, you could care about that or not, right? And if you just want to start bashing things with your mouse sword, go bash things with your mouse sword. If you care about, like, what's the shipwreck? Where am I from? Then look around a bit. But no tutorials are beating you over the head going, yes. hey, listen, let me tell you about the thousand years that came before. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand that in games. But, uh, yeah, I just noticed the little, I had a problem when I was starting out, the pointer uh, for my mouse, it would start in, to flicker. I couldn't tell where I was clicking or anything, and I had a problem with tapping. I didn't realize you just tapped uh, to poke and hold your mouse button to swing. So the combat felt really kludgy for me at first, but then I realized, plugged in a gamepad, it's like, oh, this is so much better, because with yeah. the mouse and keyboard. I was going to ask if you used a gamepad. Yeah, because, I was like, this know. is unplayable. I didn't think I was going to play it for 15 minutes but once i plugged in the gamepad and also noticed on the title screen it does say it has a note there meant to be played yeah. with the gamepad <laughs> so it's, like, it's okay. almost like okay pc guys i get it you want your customizable mouse and keyboard there you go this is not the game i'm interested in making though yeah i like some of the aesthetics in the game like the persistent footprints for your character and i actually did that in one of my games the kitty adventure game which was the maze game and i think it's a good way to show where you've been so it's like oh i walked this way and i got killed so maybe you want to go some other way the next time so the footprints kind of helped out with that um as dylan mentioned earlier it has really nice fire particle system i don't know how they actually implement implemented that but i'd be interested to and you said the developer kept like a log or something they did and they got a lot of good articles on like and because it was x and a a lot of it's easy to read for us yeah i'd like to go back and try that or see what he wrote about that how he actually implemented that uh i noticed the enemy mice the ones with the swords and the shields they were a lot like the enemy knights in Legend of Zelda Link to the Past is like, oh, you just got to hit them the right way. Hit, don't hit them on the shield side. Hit them on the side with the sword or in their back. And you can't just attack an enemy a bunch of times to defeat the enemies, like in a lot of games. Once you hit them, they'll start blocking. So you got to figure out the correct way to defeat those enemies. Um, 
when I came across the spiders, I thought the AI was really well done for those guys. Uh, whenever I tried to run up and attack them, they would back off. And then when I started running away or when I got low on health, it seems like they pursued me more. And that's, I felt like they were the way of trying to teach you to do the dash. Attack. One way to take them out is dash attacks. Yeah. Even though you didn't have that sort of gatekeeper. Yeah. Um, see, one thing I didn't know is if the enemies scaled with my level or my attributes, it seems like they got harder, but maybe they didn't. I, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I couldn't tell you either. Uh, uh, I also noticed that resting at the campfire reset all the enemies. And uh, as a player who came into this, if you hadn't played the Souls game, you probably wouldn't be aware why the enemies kept respawning in that fashion. So, um, at first it was hard for me to tell like the little barbs or the, uh, briars or whatever that was sticking out of the sides of the walls. It was hard yeah. to tell which ones actually hurt you and which ones didn't. So I thought that maybe yeah. some signification, maybe make them red or use a little bit of color there and show these are the ones that hurt you. I think I, uh, the ones that, that did damage were very obviously like long and pointy. Yeah. But I never actually felt like they the hit detection wasn't exactly like, oh, if you hit the, the very tip of this And I think I gave thorn. you, like, bad advice, too, because I think I was like, for some reason I was thinking, like, the shield blocks them. They did don't hurt. Well, and, but then, like, you got, like, stabbed by it. Maybe I had a different shield or when something you, at that point. Yeah, but, when you said that, I was like, oh, that makes sense because I don't think there's a way you can get through that without taking damage. Like, it almost seems arbitrary. Um... Let's see here. As we mentioned earlier, the camera turning while I was trying to avoid these barbs and everything was very annoying. <laughs> um, many times when I upgraded after I got enough morrow to upgrade my level, I really didn't notice any difference in the upgrades, like with the strength, or I forgot what they called it in there, but I could physically notice that there was an increase in my attack damage. But with the attack 1% faster is like so minuscule that I really didn't notice if this was helping me at all. Really. On my first game, like I had, I was wanting, because of my st play style of being like fast melee, I had dumped like 10 or 12 points into decks yeah. and was getting nothing for it. And that's why I started the second character when I found out like, this isn't doing anything. I have wasted... 10, 12 points on useless stat. Yeah, because I think I loaded mine into strength or whatever it's called in there, and it actually really helped because I'm kind of like a glass cannon type player. But then I noticed, like, okay, now uh, to actually use some of the later weapons, you actually had to upgrade some of the other stats. You had to get it up to, like, level 4, or to use the next level of magic, you had to also pour points into mm -hmm. those. But I think they gave you enough morrow in the game to actually customize it any way you want without having too much of a penalty. If I accidentally put uh, a couple of points into one stat, it really doesn't uh, penalize you too much. Um, but I was, I, I wanted to say is like, okay, I like the traditional role playing game style. It's like when I level up, just pick some stats for me and do it for, I wish they had like an auto option or something like that. Well, or maybe it was just like a template. Of yeah. Like, I'm, I want to build the caster or I want to build the, the archer or the, the sword. And I'm like, okay, here you go. It felt really cumbersome at time going back every time leveling up and saying, okay, throw a point in here. But I understand that's, mimicking the style that is in the Dark Souls game. And like I said here, micromanaging the stat wasn't too fun. Uh, when uh, I was playing with the White Mouse, the NPC characters, I did notice the friendly damage, like you could damage your 
uh, white mouse and it could damage you as well. And like I said earlier, I let the white mouse get killed. I don't know if I was penalized if that, like we said, there's not much of a story, but if I had helped the mouse get to its destination, was there any difference? Is there any difference in the it outcome? It leads to a town that you can get some items in and like a little shop. And yeah, it's kind of unfortunate because I think early it can be a big help. You get some like, okay, this is actually really good now. Powerful. I'm, I'm, um, one thing about the Souls games is a lot of the level power increase, a lot of power increase comes through better weapons and upgraded weapons more than it does stats. Like stats kick in late game and they kick in when the weapon is upgraded to its maximum. Um, they don't really have an effect early game. And that in the Souls game, that's sort of like, it's not explicit. But the encouragement is go ahead and put points into health and endurance and survivability stats and don't worry about damage stats because they're not going to kill. Yeah, and that was why I put so many points into decks because it was like, well, there's I would go for attack first. Decks sounded like the next best thing if you were going for that build. Yeah, because I loaded up with strength, but I noticed when I was getting some of the better weapons, as you mentioned, uh, I did have to go back and put points into the stat that said, oh, I can carry more stuff without being penalized in speed. Oh, so right. It that's, kind of um, did force me to put yeah, points into another um, thing. And there. that's a, it's not a great copy of a, of a, it's not a great copy of not a great mechanic. And they did away with the mechanic in, in Bloodborne. I'll have to wait and see if they did away with it in, in Demon's, or Dark, Dark Souls 3. But the encumbrance mechanic, the idea that the more, the way they initially tried to balance is that, well, if you wear heavy weapons, heavy armor and everything like that, you're going to move slower. Uh, the more weight you equip and all that. And that's the way they sort of like, well, we don't have an explicit archetype class. Um, you can be a mage uh, if you want. You can be a mage with a sword if you want. But you're not going to have enough points to be a mage with a sword and heavy armor because now you move so slow you can never cast a spell because you can never get far enough away and that was the way they did that what sucked is is it it's not a great it doesn't feel like a good reward they did it with this other encumbrance stat and if you ever let that sucker get less than 100 percent you need to pump stats to get to 100 percent that is my recommendation if you play this again Keep that at 100% for whatever you're wearing. Less than that, like I don't think you can dodge fast enough to avoid stun locking. I think that's like a carryover from a lot of like current RPGs. I think it started out with uh, the Elder Scrolls games where you had the encumbrance and also in the Fallout games, if you put too much stuff on your character, then it will physically slow you down until you get back up yeah. to that 100%. Although I want to say with those, there is a particular line and once you cross the line, you just can't yeah. run anymore. Yeah. Like in, this is gradual. Yeah. So, well, <clears throat> in Demon Souls, um, we, we call them fat rolls. And I think it's 25%. Um, or no, no, it's 50%. Demon's Souls was the nicest one, I think. It was 50%. And if your encumbrance was 50% over what your, your equipment load was over 50% of your maximum load, you got what we, we call fat rolls. And when your character would roll, the, the, it would sort of like do the, the roll down and then take a moment to get up and your controller would actually shake. And then if you didn't have that thing, they would roll and spring right back up like a hop keto roll. Like, boom, you can do all these attacks. Uh, Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2, it does scale. So, like, you have to be under 25% for the fastest movement and rolls. 
And then it scales up to like, I think 70%, Dark Souls 2, I think is 70%, where if you go over that, then you hit what we call fat rolls. And the fat rolls is just a point where it's not a gradual, it's a huge leap. But this is your equipped items load. This is separate from your carry burden load, different stat. And what you guys are talking about, like Skyrim and all that, those are just carry burden loads. Right. Uh, the other thing I noticed is that originally I thought this the morrow in the game was like a zero-sum game type thing, which I think is how Dark Souls is. Souls are never created or destroyed until you spend them, but you can't go and kill an enemy that you've already killed to get more souls. Am I correct about that? Or? No, no, no. You can completely farm souls. And oh, okay. that's, like a, that's a complaint here. If there wasn't a good area, usually Souls games will have a good area where right next to the bonfire... There's a whole bunch of high soul dropping creatures and you can just go here and kill them and rest and kill them and rest and kill them and rest. And Yeah, and I noticed in Dark Mouse, it's like, okay, I could go up as at the uh, bonfire, I could go up and kill an enemy and they may or may not drop more morrow. So I could like farm it a little bit that way, but by far seems like it was more efficient to find the little piles of skeletal remains. And yeah. sometimes you could get like 150 morrow at a time by collecting it from Imagine there. Imagine what it's like. Um, I actually, I, I noted it down. I got invaded after one of those times and had 258 Morrow stolen wow. from me. No. Because I had like found like a skeletal moraine and then another skeletal moraine. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this is great. This is like seven levels for me right now. And then it got stolen. Uh, the one thing that I did like is like once you die, you can go back to your little blood splattered area and recover the sol- or the Morrow that you lost. But if you die again without recovering, then it's gone forever. Right, so. and that is that is all the Souls games. Um, the for anybody listening, um, I mean, we might have skipped some over if they're not familiar with the mechanics. So, in the Souls games, you get souls for killing an enemy, just like experience points. They just they go in like experience. In Dark Mouse, you get nothing for killing an enemy it may drop marrow, which is their souls. So I just wanted to clear that up for somebody listening that's like, I don't understand. You're killing the creatures. You should be. It's like, no, they don't give you experience for killing anything. Um, This is kind of picky, but I thought a death animation would have been nice because you just like die and there's no squirming or anything like yeah. that. You do have the blood splatters, but... Uh, the souls games have all that, you know? You get a scream and everything, you know? <laughs> Uh, this game was really too dark and gritty for my liking. I like a little bit of colors. I, I understand like the the uh, th- theme that they're going for there. Yeah, I think immediately you had like the um, color palette comment. Yeah, exactly. Like, Levi's very quick to like not a lot of colors in this game. <laughs> I like my colors. Uh, I liked how the armor appears on your mouse, like the little uh, chest pieces and things like that. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the dexterity really didn't seem to do much for my attack speed. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more effect on that. And, uh, yeah, I basically got uh, to the point where I was fighting. I think Mike said the second boss. I went in, got one shot, and tried that four or five times. Like, okay, I throw my hands up. I don't. I was in that area with the, the fog that blocks you off. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to beat this guy. So I guess I should go online and read a F- FAQ or there, something There's like a that. guide. Yeah. There's one guide, I think it's at the time of this recording, that's really good on Steam. So if you go to the Steam guide, there's one guide that sort of breaks down 
And also, it's really good to read about the equipment and where you can find the different items. Um, so that you can go out of your way to get, like, okay, let's make sure I'm, I'm hitting every increase in item. Because even the item upgrades, I don't know if you guys realize, you get stones that you can increase. Yes, I did do that, yeah. They go up by, like, 0.5 on the stats, which, like, that, don't do that, man. Yeah. Like, okay, okay, so balance it however you want. The numbers you show me are not directly tied to the balance other than they're just a numerical abstraction of the difficulty curve you've created. So let me see the numbers go up by like 5, 8, 10. Like seeing yeah. a number go up for 0.5 on a rare item I found yeah. to upgrade it sucks. I mean, it's just like, I don't think it does any more damage. Even if 0.5 in the balance scheme of things is a significant percentage of more damage. It's like, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I remember like the metal shards, but I think on my sword I could only apply two of those. So you can like make a, a god god weapon out of that just by like using 10 of those shards. So they did limit that a little bit, I believe. There's a bug in the menus. Um, you use that, and then it'll still say like you need a shard, one shard, you need two shards. If you exit that menu and you come back, it'll show you now that you use two, you need to use three or four or eight. Oh. So the the number of required shards went up and you didn't have enough for the next level, but the menu wasn't updating to show you what the new requirement was as you spent them. Uh, if you close the menu and go back, you can see you can do that. My recommendation on that, because the shards were really scarce, is to use the guide, figure out what the best weapon is, the end game, the final weapon, for which, whichever path you pick. The strength build, or yes, it was strength, um, precision, and pyromancy. Yes. Um, and which is weird because you can use shards on your spells. I don't know if you realize that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was weird. Um, just get the 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 last weapon in the chain of like strength or precision, and then spend all the shards on it as soon as you get it to make it the max upgrade. Um, and yeah, you'll have to struggle it out a bit to. Um, but you're never going to. It's not. You're not going to be throwing stuff down a hole because you're basically yeah, going to switch out when you get out. the final weapon. Because once you've upgraded it, and then it's you gone. no longer use the weapon, it's done. Um, Souls <clears> games <throat> have had this problem too. They've had this problem of like there's not enough upgrade material to allow somebody to realistically <clears throat> experiment. Um, once you've played a few times you know what vendors will eventually sell an upgrade material. And so you'll know like small Titanite, large Titanite, and then Titanite chunks will become available for purchase at some point. So as I'm starting my new playthrough, I'll just go ahead and spend my small Titanite like water because I'll be able to buy this for cheap soon and it won't matter. But the Titanite slabs are limited. I'll never be able to buy those. So that's for the weapon I'm going to like carry through the final game. Uh, another thing the Souls games do that Dark Mouse doesn't do is that in most cases, any weapon is viable upgraded for in-game play. There's very few weapons that are actually, like, impossible, okay? There are weapons that are better than others, definitely. There are max-min options, you know, and, and things like that. That is definitely true. So it's not like Final Fantasy where you're always looking for the next best weapon. You can take that weapon you start with and take it all the way to the end and upgrade it, and it's going to be competitive. There might have been a better option for you and how you built your character, but you're not 
screwed, basically, because, oh, I put some shards in this base weapon that's now useless to me. You know, it's like, no, 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 you can keep your investment forward. Um, And with that, so... All right. Yeah, so those are all the notes that I had. I'll just repeat that, yeah, I think for what it is, like uh, uh, Daniel Wright, he did a good job in creating a 2D version of Dark Souls. I think that was really well done. Really not my type of game. I mean, I I enjoyed it for the four hours that I played it, but nothing that really made me want to keep on till the very end. made the first character, re-rolled the second one, ended up having like eight or nine hours of total playtime. But I hit New Game Plus and didn't have any interest to keep going. There wasn't, there's not enough variety like there is in the Souls games to warrant a New Game Plus playthrough. Like, I didn't go here. I didn't try this build. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that's something a one, you know, Daniel is going to, should feel bad about doing. He did a great job accomplishing yeah. what he accomplished. Souls is a very new genre and it's going to take some time to establish you know, what the tenets of this genre even are, like what counts, what doesn't, why is this here? If you take out that mechanic, then what has to go with it? If you add, if you use this mechanic, what do you need to include with it? Um, and so I think it's a really great game. Um, all right, so again, our next game is going to be Axum Verge. Um, if by some chance I get this miraculously uploaded... Uh, there's about 18 hours left uh, for Axiom Verge to be on sale on Steam for $15.99. Uh, if not, it's going to break our $15 rule um, and go to 20 bucks again. But um, it's right there at the $15 line right now, so we, we jumped on it, and that was our decision. And you can play along next month. Again, you can find everything about the uh, Knoxville Game Design Meetup Group and coming out and all the things we can do at knoxgamedesign.org. Um, Levi, what's going on? Where can people find you? What do you want to plug? Uh, you can visit my website at levidsmith.com. I'm also GA Tech Grad on Twitter. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I've been working on a MOBA-style game, single player. It's called Agents vs. Aliens, so you can check that out. And I've also been doing developer commentary videos. Like Whenever I'm developing these games for Game Jams, I put a video on YouTube, me explaining what I did to create the game. And I've also been doing a weekly look back at previous games that I've developed, so I give my thoughts. Those are really good. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, so I think I did like my Amish Brothers game and Genetic Disorder. So just my thoughts on on what I did back then and what I could do to make things better. Gaining an insight as you do this, like as you like sit down to make the video for like, hey, I'm going to make content for my site. I'm going to talk about my old games. But just revisiting the old game Amish Brothers, are you like, you know, if I was to do, I should have done that differently. Oh, yeah. I'm finding all sorts of things. It's like, oh, yeah, if I would have animated the little Amish guy, I would have done it this way. I I know how to do it now. Back then, I was just learning Unity, just learning how to animate things in Blender. So, yeah, it does give me insight on ways that I could improve those old games. And maybe I may go back and like update those games and maybe maybe not release those someday. But yeah, uh, if anybody's interested in seeing those videos, uh, go to youtube.com forward slash Levi D. Smith, and that should get you to my page. Um, I'm pro- uh, probably the best place to find me is Dylan Wolf on Twitter, uh, dylanwolf.com. I'm Kind of got a couple things I'm you know, little games I'm messing around with right now, but you know nothing major. Probably end up streaming. Uh, let them dare. 
London Bear next weekend. So yeah, um, to be honest, twitch.tv slash vinyl is going to be where to get me. And it'll be, uh, if I'm not streaming Dark Souls 3, I'll be streaming London Dare. That'll probably be the thing that gets me to put down uh, Dark Souls 3 next week as I just sort of absorb all of that. Uh, I plan to kind of go through it blind. I haven't done that for any Souls game. Like all the Souls games, since I've played them so far out of release, there's been really in-depth wikis and forums and all that. And I've just sort of like given into like looking up a guide to kind of help me through it. And now I'm like, I'm going to go through this as blind as possible and see if I hit like a point where I should break. Um, I don't think the games are designed for people to go through them blind. I think part of the design of Souls games are informed by the fact there's the internet and we can allow things to be a little bit more cryptic, and there's no way you would might have seen that in game because we know there's going to be a forum post about it. Um, but maybe some of you do figure it out, so we don't mind putting things a little bit more cryptic on here because we know you have this. It's also what their in-game note system uh, uh, does too, and that's something that's for another podcast. As far as stuff I'm working on, Souls game. <laughs> I've got my own like. Uh, idea for a little Souls uh, mini game, um, but it's. I mean, there's a lot of subsystems to get in place that qualify. So I don't know if that sees release anytime soon. Definitely not going to be something I'm going to try to crank out in like a uh, love them dare right. type scenario. Um, but even if I don't, I just the practice of going through trying to create their systems, just recreating their systems. Um, I've had to dig in and learn to a lot more and edge stuff of Unity. Uh, and things like that. And the latest thing with Unity I've been starting to get into is particle systems. I haven't been using them. I haven't been writing custom particle systems. Pro tip, you get a lot of performance by making something a particle system. Don't have game objects be bullets. There you go. That's my wisdom for there. Game o- bullets are not game objects. They are particle systems. You can have physics and particle systems interact and have much less overhead uh, for doing that. So I'm in the process of figuring that out, exactly how you do that. I've got the theory down. My implementation leaves something to be desired. Um, but that's where I'm messing with that. So thank you, everyone, who tuned in and listened to the show. If you're subscribing to the podcast uh, via RSS, you could do that from the website, noxgamedesign.org. You can find us in iTunes. If you're listening to this on YouTube or other ways, you want to get this. And if you're in iTunes, leave us a rating on iTunes. Um be honest, give us a fair rating. You're not asking um, for, for fudge votes, but that activity um, does help us. Any, any activity in there does actually promote the show and, and help us in search results and listings and getting new people to listen to the show. So if you're enjoying listening to this and you want to share it with others, please you know use your social media, but also leaving us a rating there. And hey, if you're on YouTube and feeling frisky, you could like, comment, and subscribe. Just gonna have to get that in there. <laughs> just, just do the dirty oh, YouTube PR uh, and get the that liturgy in there. of a YouTube video. Yeah, at some point I'll do it enough, and then I'll just be like, ah, oh, I don't taste Ovaltine anymore. You know, it just goes right down. It's so <laughs> all smooth. the people said, like, comment and subscribe. Yep. All right, we are out.